Is business just business or is business personal? It's your boy Mason, the host of the Lunch Break Podcast. Let's get it. In honor of Kobe Bryant, each episode will be around 24 minutes. And each guest you can expect to be from different industries and careers. But the main focus is business is business or is business is personal. Let's get into this episode. You know, it's nice to have you on and to just network, shoot the breeze. You know, it's been awesome um, following your content on LinkedIn. Um, now, you and I were chatting it up and uh, we we bond over why mental health is so important. Yes. Um, tell us a little bit about like your thoughts on mental health and why people, you know, why self-care is so key. Well, I will tell you this. I didn't think anything of it until the last couple of years because I am someone that had suffered from depression, from having attempted suicide. And there was so much, there's so much shame behind it. And the stigma and the narrative is not good. So I just never talked about it. And I never understood like how important it was to have good mental health, even though I went through all that crap. Yeah. It wasn't until just a couple years ago. And not many people knew. I mean, it's, it's funny because I, went to UCLA, but I didn't actually graduate. And I'd never lied about it. I'm not, I don't tell people that I graduated. I didn't. So when people are like, oh, you didn't, I'm like, no, for medical reasons, I had to withdraw, but I never said it's because I was attempted suicide and they had to pull me out of there. Um, so I just kind of kept it hush hush. And so it wasn't until actually last year on LinkedIn, one of my colleagues who's in the mortgage industry, president, leader, everything of this, of a company, he started talking about how important mental health awareness is on LinkedIn. And he and I knew each other because of the industry. And he and I, oddly enough, had had a conversation about what I had gone through and stuff that was going on in his family at a conference. And so March, I think March is Mental Health Awareness Month. I think it's March. So he Yeah, I think out, it's March, yeah. Yeah, so he did a post on LinkedIn and said, you know what, as leaders, we're the ones that need to kind of start talking about this too. And so he shared all of that. And I thought in that moment, I was like, I got to say something. I got to break the silence and I got to break it here on LinkedIn. Because once again, people have a persona of me that I'm always happy, go lucky, that I probably had this perfect life. And that's the complete opposite. I said, so if we're going to change the narrative and we're going to break the stigma, then someone like myself has to be willing to share their story. So I, in that moment, took my phone out and I was like, all right, so this is going to be a one taker thing where it's just, I'm going to speak from the heart. And it was six minutes and I got emotional and mm. I shared my story. And yeah. I have to tell you, as soon as I pressed like post, I did have a, a like an, a panic and anxiety attack. Cause I was like, what mm. did I just do? Like, right. I'm not joking. When I tell you within seconds, I was getting phone calls, messages, texts, and it wasn't like, what are you doing? It was Oh my gosh, you are so brave. I had no idea. Like mm. what courage. Oh my gosh, I've experienced that. Like it was all so positive because like, it could have gone the opposite. It could have been like, that's belongs on Facebook. Like, why are you doing mm. personal stuff here on, on a business platform? Right. But I have to tell you that I had built already a, a network, a community that I knew that they were going to, I could, I trusted them. I trust that I was going to share my story and they were going to embrace it and support me. And, and it, that's what happened to the point where it was so much 
positivity that like people were coming at me, no negativity, that it just fueled it even more. And I realized in that moment, like, holy crap, people need to hear people's stories. Yeah. And now I'm like full on mental health, <laughs> like share your stories, talk about it because this is how I've dealt with it. Or this is how, when I have my moments where there's times where I stay in my bed all day and I allow myself grace. Now there might be a day that I'm in bed for the entire day and that's okay. So I try to share that like, yeah, I have my moments, but I also have tools now that I've, that I've learned to, you know, I like to dance. I like to paint. I like yoga. So I'm much better about my mindset. Yeah. You know? 45 plus I've got two kids. I would never ever allow myself to get to a place where I would leave them without a mother. Like, ever. Right. like now, I mean, I was young in college, you know, people say it's such a selfish thing when you attempt suicide, but it's not, you really are in a place where you have, you feel so like just like nobody gives a crap that you're yeah. not selfish. You're actually trying to be like, Hey, I don't want to be a burden to others. So if anything, it's mm. almost like a selfless thing. Yeah. Like a sec, yeah. In your head, you're thinking, yeah, I don't want to spare anybody else of my, of me on this earth. Mm. And so now I realize that like, it would be selfish of me to do it now because I, ha I have parents that know that would be upset. I have an ex-husband that would be upset. I have kids that would be upset, siblings. Like now I understand that. So I would, I just cannot allow myself to get to that place. Yeah. And just to be vulnerable with you, um, you know, I was hospitalized for five days um, in my earlier 20s. And because um, I'm 27, I'll be 28 um, in March. When I think about, <laughs> yeah, I'm just, I'm just a kid. Um, grown man, though. No, but when I think about like, for me, I went through a lot of trauma growing up and people that know me, I didn't necessarily vocalize what I went through. And, you know, I just went through life just being happy-go-lucky. Like I was in, in high school, you know, you know, I joined the basketball team when I was a kid, I played, uh, I played football. I was the middle linebacker. I played for a couple years. And everybody just assumed that I was okay. And I graduated third of my class. I could have graduated first, but like <laughs> Mondays and Mondays and Fridays, I would skip school because like I could have been my a younger historian, but I could. <laughs> <laughs> That's not true. No, my my youngest sister because I have nine younger sisters. Oh my goodness. Uh, the the one that's the second youngest, um, like I was teaching her her first words. Like I don't know, I just was very emotionally attached to her um her growth and development like i taught her her first words i taught her her first step You're like her dad her father figure you know what i mean but i just went through life acting like everything was okay and then i just reached a breaking point when you pretend for so long and you got this these feelings and emotions and these this resentment anger whatever you want to call it it catches up to you Mm -hmm. and eventually caught up to me when I was like 22. Um, so from age 22 to 24, because I ended up getting divorced when I was 24, close to 25. Mm -hmm. uh, I was like three months before I turned 25. So I was married for like three years. But hitting rock bottom showed me uh, there's stuff I got to dig into. Mm -hmm. But I will say, I don't know. 
I, I, I am curious for you. So for, for me, people that did know that were like family, like few of my family members knew about it. There was almost like, a, I don't want to say judgment, but lack of awareness of mental health, lack of awareness of depression. Some people are like, oh, I feel depressed. Like think about someone that doesn't have any type of trauma. And yeah, you know, people feel sad, they might feel discouraged and they might feel a measure of depression. But mental health depression is different from the average person feeling depressed. So for me, cer certain people, when they would hear, what do you mean you went through trauma? Like, I know, I know you, like you, you know what I mean? Yeah. So I don't know how your experience was when you were in college and the people that did know versus like, there's some people who were not family members and I would tell them and I would get way more understanding and empathy. Oh, so yeah. what was your, what was your experience like? Like, uh, so let me tell you this, my best, best friend who I lived with, I had, I was able to even hide it from her. That's how good I was. That's why I tell people like, don't just assume that someone's not hurting and they're in a bad place just because you ask them how they're doing. They say, okay. You know what I mean? So even though I hit it in the sense that my, they would go to class, they would go to work or whatever. And I would just sleep the entire time they were gone. Wouldn't really eat. And then they would come home back to the apartment. And I was able to kind of like, just fake it. Like it was all up pretty. I mean, I do have roommates that were like, yeah, you did kind of sleep a lot, but I was in a sorority. I was friends with all the major athletes in the, in the frat guys. And, you know, I was that like, UCLA. I mean, you look at it from the outside looking in, it's like, well, how is this girl going to be sad or depressed? Like she's living the life, but no, I was hurting a lot because my family dynamic led to, to a lot of like why I ended up how I ended up. But, um, yeah, I mean, I, they didn't know. So I didn't share it. And then it wasn't until I actually told my best friend the next morning, like, Hey, by the way, I did something really stupid. And I had slept already all day. And I woke up shaking. Cause I, I said, Hey, I tried to kill myself last night. And she's like, well, I'm like, I try to OD. I'm like, I took all my antidepressants. I'm like, I think I took all of your, she goes, sweetie, that was Advil. So I think maybe that counteracted because I could have taken her antidepressants and they called the UCLA medical clinic and they're like, no, she just needs to sleep it off. But they called my parents right away. And I lived in, um, I'm from San Diego. So it's just a two hour drive. So right away, my parents were like, bring her home. So my best friend drove my car, my other best friend who was a roommate of ours, she followed us. And let me tell you this, and this is something that's really difficult for me still is my parents didn't really like they were like, what the heck do we do with this? Cause my mom doesn't understand what depression is. She's like, just be happy. Like she's that type of person where she's just like, well, just think that happy thoughts. Like she doesn't understand what depression is like. And my dad, he had a lot of trauma and he's gone through some stuff. And I think it scared him to see that, oh shit, my daughter's going through this. So I didn't find out till years later, just till recently, my mom was like, I didn't know what to do. Your dad made it like it was no big deal. He went to work the next morning. She's like, I'm left with you, like not knowing you have. So it was not the ideal situation in the sense where that's something I tell parents now, like, please take your kids seriously. Listen to them. Like, don't, we all have our issues, believe me. But if my, came, my kid came to me like that, I would try to leave all of my stuff aside and focus on the child. But I think what happens is a lot of us bring our stuff into it. 
Um, yeah, that yeah. definitely, yeah, that definitely plays a role because it's like, for me, like similar to you, I was at all of, you know, it was a bunch of events I was going to, you yeah. know, social outings. Um, I was like a social butterfly, you know? And a lot of times people will look to me like, oh my God, he's so happy, he's so motivated, he's so determined. But then when I was alone, I would just have this, this pain and I didn't know what to do with it, you know? Um, and I would like hide my pain through music. You know, I've been writing poetry since I was 12. Really? Wow. And like, for me, like, um, I was like sexually abused twice before age 11. Mm. And I didn't tell my mom until I was 24, you know? Um, she had no idea. Yeah. And so for me, after I hit rock bottom, I'm like, you know what? I, I have to start telling people what I went through. Yeah. And so I think it was very difficult for me to tell my mom because for me, it's like, as a man, that's like, like I had to throw ego out the window. I was going to say for men, it's even more difficult. And even and, in, in the African-American community, let's be honest too. My mom's Mexican. So in the Latina, like you don't share your stuff. Like you don't air your dirty laundry. Nope. So it is a lot has to do with those. Culture, yeah. Culture. Definitely. It really does. I definitely agree. I definitely agree with that. And, but I would say after telling her, um, and one of my sisters kind of knew, but she didn't really know because I didn't really, I kind of sugarcoated it. But I even told like a couple of my, my sisters, you know what I mean? And those conversations helped me to heal. You know, I can, I can say those things don't carry any weight on me anymore. And I feel like masking is an answer. Mm -hmm. You know, bottling things up is not the answer. Like you gotta find a way to, to talk about it, whether that's through therapy or like you said, like having the best friend, people you can go to. Um, and being vulnerable, like vulnerability is, is so important. But it's hard. I, I, I didn't become vulnerable until just, like I said, just in the last year or so. And, but now I realize it's, it's almost liberating when you're able to share and not mask things and be really honest about your feelings. Like it really is, it's, a, it's almost like a euphoric feeling where you're like, I'm just being me and I'm just like sharing my stuff and people are accepting it and, are, and actually are accepting me for who I am. And it's just so refreshing because you, just like you were saying, we were putting on this front of like, we're so happy and we're at the social, we're social butterflies, we're doing all these things when inside we're just like dying inside. And that's just, it's just not healthy. That's why my 16 year old, she tends to, she reminds me a lot of myself at her age. And mm. I tell her all the time, I'm like, sweetie, I'm telling you from experience. Remember I'm 45 years old. Remember what I've been through. I'm telling you right now, just open up to share. And there's times where it takes a little bit of coaxing, but once she does, and it's like floodgates, she starts crying. She starts sharing all these things. And I just listen, because I think that's what's really important too, as parents and adults, we need to give permission and give that space to our kids to be able to do that. So when she does that, I'm like, thank you. Like, thank you for sharing that. Thank you for opening up. I appreciate it. I appreciate what you had to say. Sometimes it's not pretty. She'll say stuff about me and what she thinks of me as a mom sometimes. I mean, we have a great relationship, but still she's a teenager. Um, right. And I have to not be like, what do you mean you think that I'm, <laughs> and I tell her, I said, you know what, I'm going to take that 
to heart. Like, thank you. Like, I'm not upset with you for telling me that I suck as a mom in this area. Um, and then she just feels so much better. And then we were able to kind of like breathe and move on. And I love that, but it's you, it's work, you know, like it's work to do that with your kids. And I think that's another thing too, is so many parents because of social media and their phones, they kind of given up on their kid. They're like, well, what, what can I do? They're already so invested in social media. I'm like, no, believe me, my daughter's freaking screening, scrolling through TikTok <laughs> and Instagram. But there's those moments where I'm like, where it's like dinner time when I cook for her, the phone's put away and I sit with her and we talk. And because once again, like you have to give that, you have to have that space where they feel permission. And um, yeah, like, I just think, we, we have to talk about it. We have to, and as adults too, not put this front that we're perfect because we don't want our kids to not see us as perfect. Listen, my kids know I'm far from perfect. <laughs> far, and I'm okay with that. Yeah. Instead of a lot of the parents and adults, like they are afraid to admit that they used to drink too or that they were, mm. you know, breaking rules or they smoked weed or they did this type of drug. It's like, no, I yeah. can't my kid is in it's they're gonna think it's okay to do it no believe me like it, it's not you telling them like oh go do it because I did it <laughs> if, if anything what I have found what it does is it allows them to come to you when it comes time that they're maybe gonna experiment or they're gonna do something or something bad happens I've been lucky enough to where my kids have come to me or my ex yeah. and I think as parents and I don't know if you have children but I just know as a parent, that's at the end of the day, that's all I want is my kids to be able to come to me no matter what. Yeah. Period. Yeah. So I would say humility and empathy is the secret sauce. You know, it's not a secret, but like you mentioned, like I'm not, I don't have any children, but I'm a big brother to nine sisters. And on top of that, I'm just a big brother to a lot of people. Yeah. You know, um, and it's like, I am very open about my mistakes. Like, like my one sister, the one that I taught her first steps and things that I didn't say, I, I FaceTime her almost every day. Aww. And, you know, we'll talk, we'll joke, we'll laugh. But then, you know, I'll have conversations with her. Like, how are you really doing? Yeah. And even with like, just my friends in general, family, I kind of, I just nudge a little bit. I, I just push, a, I push the envelope. That's yeah. what I call it. I it's just pushed the envelope a little bit. Yeah, I just, it's, I, I, I pushed the envelope. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so I always, I always, you know, oh, how you doing? And I, they usually give their general response. No, but I'm like, how you really doing though? Yeah. You know, um, and I find that A, having those open conversations and then B, like you mentioned, just sharing, sharing your mistakes. Mm-hmm. I can't tell you how much, even if it's hidden, even if it's not verbalized, there's a respect when you communicate your mistakes and things you did wrong. Yeah. You know, I even openly, like if I feel like I did something wrong, I'll apologize. Like, even if it's a small thing, like, yeah, you're right. Like, even if my sister says X, Y, Z, you know, and I think about it and I'm like, I come back, I'm like, you know what, sis, you was right. Like I, I need to work on whatever that is um, versus 
pretending like, oh, I know everything, I'm always right. Like, no, nah, that's just, that's not, um, that's not what works. But what I was thinking while you were talking was, because right now we're talking about family, personal relationships. What about mental health in a professional setting, right? So, you know, we network with people, right? Uh, we may have clients, we may have uh, co-workers, we may have whatever people's situation is, right? How does one, what advice would you have for those, okay, what is that balance of, okay, you know, maybe someone has depression, maybe they have a learning disability, how do they navigate having depression, but also being in a workplace do they verbalize like, hey, this is what I deal with, or this or does it depend on culture? How does one navigate the business side of things with mental health? I mean, it's a difficult one because, like you said, a lot has to do with company culture, because there's a lot of company cultures out there now that the person, if they are struggling, feel comfortable enough to go to their HR director or their boss or their manager and be like, hey, I'm kind of struggling with something. But if you're in a culture where it's like very taboo and it's like you got to work, work, work and no excuse for anything and you can't take any time off, which we all know that there's plenty of companies like that, then those are the people that like it just it scares me because they don't feel like they have anybody to talk to. And also they don't feel like they can have time off. You know, I think we have this whole, you know, grind and hustle and, you know, especially you know, you, the more you work and if you don't sleep, like you're like proving how, you know, tough you are. And I feel like it should be the opposite. It's like, let's celebrate like the time off when we have time off. Like maybe I feel like we should be giving more than two weeks paid vacation from work. Um, yeah, I think just company culture needs to change and just the way we see that, like it doesn't just because you don't, if you work three days a week, doesn't mean that you're any less productive than five days a week. If anything, you might be more productive. So what if you do like Monday, Wednesday, Friday, and then Tuesday, Thursday, you have off and you let people actually focus on their mental health, which is self-care, you know, because that's another yeah. thing too, is that the nine to fivers they do the nine to five and now obviously COVID, but still on their computers and then they've got kids and then they don't ever have time for themselves. And then that's where it gets really dangerous when you're the people that you're just totally neglecting your health, you're going to the, you know, getting exercise or doing anything that makes you feel happy. And um, I think that's, that's a lot that needs to happen, I guess, in the business side of things yeah like that's how I would approach it um you don't necessarily have to be super open because there's some people that are obviously are very um private private about their stuff yeah. but at the same time there has to be someone that they feel comfortable enough to be able to share if they have to and they're always yeah. someone at someone's company yeah you know I think um I think Instacart does a good job um because like uh i used to be a community manager property manager for co-work okay i don't know if you guys have co-works in your city like i don't know if you heard of we work but well yeah we, we didn't have sure yeah, yeah I, we didn't I, have a, i'm part of a co-working space actually oh sweet sweet, yeah. sweet. so we have a local uh chain that is it's not we work but I, I work there um and instacart was 
um, at the office or whatever. Okay. And I just noticed that the company culture was amazing. And, you know, someone needed a day off. I think they have something, I guess they use that term loosely, unlimited time off. I don't okay. know if you've heard, you know what I mean? Yeah. But it's like they really respected um, someone's need if they needed a mental health day or they needed time off, they would respect that. Um, I think it's very 1970s to only give Watch it, I was weeks born off. in 1975. No, 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 no. <laughs> No, 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 it's not a shout out to you. I'm just saying, I just feel like it's very 1970s yeah. to say this person is only going to get two weeks off. I agree. There's 52 I weeks agree. in a year. And then that in itself stresses people this, out. Yeah, that alone. It's like, you need more than two weeks off. Like, that's just reality. Yeah. Um. So that's the first thing. And the second thing I was going to say is like, I feel in general, like if I had, if I, and I, and I probably would never, do this but if i ran a country or if i you know if i had some authority if i if i had the power if i had the power if i had the power to do so to me school and work would be i mean obviously some companies would need to work you mean you know but it's like overall i would say companies should work monday to thursday have friday saturday sunday off school would be Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. Kids will have Friday, Saturday, Sunday off. If you think about that, just that one extra day off, Friday, you can go on a trip. You know, you can go here, you can go there. And obviously, plus the vacation time, like you might get two weeks, this and a third. I just feel like, like you said, there's just so much emphasis on grind and hustle and not sleeping and working 12 hours. And, and that's hours. how I felt when I like, started my own business. I was like, I almost felt guilty that I wasn't putting blood, sweat, and tears and working 24-7. And I did a video on LinkedIn. I was like, hey, why am I subscribing to what all you people are saying about being an entrepreneur? I'm like, what? Um, and then I started feeling guilty, like, well, maybe I'm not hard, like, you know, working hard enough, or maybe I'm not grinding enough. It was just, but at the same time, I know my mental health. Like, I know the issues that I have dealt with. And I know for a fact that if I overwork myself, that is not going to be good at exactly. all. So I'm exactly. like, all right, either my mental health or, or putting up this, whatever everybody else thinks I should be doing. And then that's when I was like, screw that. I need to follow my heart. And so, yeah, I would do days where I would walk. They're still right now. I take mental health days where, you know, I do personal branding, social media, but I will go ahead and like do half of a day where I will not get on my like social media. I will go do whatever. And I will just zone out and I don't feel guilty because I know that that's what I need for my mental health. And if I'm going to be a better person to other people, to my kids, I have to do that. Yeah. Um, for me to tap into what you just said, um, like I'm not on Instagram, I'm not on Twitter or Facebook. Because for me, those platforms just don't, they just don't vibe with me, you know? Uh, recently, I made a decision to, um, I was in like three or four group chats. But me, I'm such a face-to-face -face person. Mm -hmm. Like, I like this, I like video, I like phone call, you know what I mean? Because like, I can hear your tone of voice, I can see your body language, you know what I mean? I know we're on a, on a I know I didn't say anything to hurt you. And if I yeah. did, I, I could read it like, oh, no, not bad, I'm sorry. For me, being in a group chat with 10 people or more or less, 
you know, you send messages, audio messages, memes, this and the third, but you never know. Like, what if I said this that triggered so and so? Yeah, people in. And I'm such an empath, and I'm such an empath that it's like, I'm like, group chats is not for me. So I made that decision recently. I mean, certain people was like, we want you in a group chat, we want you to stay. I'm like, nah, I can't. Like, it's just for my well being. Yeah, you, for my you, happiness. Yeah. Yeah, I had to, I had to um, cut that. Um, but the business side of things, I think about like a company like uh, Chick Fil A. Yeah. Right? They get a lot of flack for not being open on Sunday. Oh, you're missing out on making so much yeah. money and da, da 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 da. But part of that brand, whether it's their employee, think about their employees. They must treasure that. Like, man, I get Sunday though. Yeah. Like, yeah, I got to work Saturday, but at least I get Sunday though. Yeah, like they don't have to worry about having a takeoff for the Super Bowl or if they're like teams in exactly. the playoffs. Like, they can enjoy football. I can appreciate that because I love my NFL on Sundays. Oh, who's your team? The Chargers. Like, oh, Chargers good team. Well, I mean, San Diego and I followed them to LA. I'm 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 very loyal, and right now they're breaking my heart every single game. But you know, I gotta still root for them. <laughs> yeah, I'm. Uh, I don't really have a team team, but I do like. Um, the Green Bay Packers. And the okay. reason why is because um, their leadership, like most companies is owned by a person. Green Bay is the only nonprofit, like they're owned by their stockholders. Really? Yeah, I it's like over, that. I think over like 100,000 people own no Green Bay Packers. So I like that, you know what I mean? I like that. Um, and Aaron Rodgers, I mean, he's a damn good quarterback, so. Yeah, he's, yeah, he's definitely a good quarterback. Hopefully he can get into the championship before you retire. So I was gonna say he's one of those like Philip Rivers that like man, I really hope Rivers is something because he's getting up there, man. Doesn't he play for the Colts now? Yes. So I follow the Colts because once again, it's like I've been following Rivers since his, the beginning of his career. Uh, so it's like people with Brady. Like my son still like mm. my son's a huge Patriots fan, but obviously Tom Brady was like his guy. So right, 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 right. The Bucks as well so yeah i'm kind of right now like i watch both teams uh closely honestly i said before the beginning of the year because i do what i like to do with football and this is a total side conversation no, i know sorry i try <laughs> no no it's okay okay, okay <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. this is awesome no so before the beginning of the seasons before uh nfl i always choose one or two teams that i think can go all the way mm. and then i reevaluate before the playoffs start so before the beginning of the season, I looked at all the rosters, blah, blah, blah. Um, this year, I chose the Bucks. I said, Tom Brady, you know. And before the playoffs, I'll, you know, you know, reevaluate. Yeah. Um, I think last year, I think last year I said the Ravens was going to win and they lost. And I think the year before that, I said the Rams. The Rams went all the way, but then they lost. Yeah. So I've, I've gotten pretty good at picking. Really? I don't know what it is. I don't know if it's instinct. I don't know if it's just like just I've been following sports. Like, that's when it'll go oh, down. No. no, don't start oh, betting no. on those games. No, I wouldn't do it. No, I do it for fun. Because <laughs> I'm sure I'm there's like, people who are like, you should bet, bet. And it's like, no. Nah, that'd take the fun out of it. That'd take the fun yeah. out of it. So, but yeah, I, I, I have a feeling Brady, even if he don't win, I feel like Brady might go all the way. I mean, it just goes to show you like how freaking amazing of a player he is because you know it was all that thing of like oh let's see how good Bilicek really is and Brady and the you know and all those things and look at Brady going over to a different team and I mean it just goes to show you that Cam Newton is a scrub I'm, I'm sorry 
He's yeah. a scrub. Well, He's and, and, and all their players are falling apart. Like they're all getting injured. And it's just like that team, you know, it's like Belichick's so pissed off. <laughs> yeah. Cause like Cam Newton had that one good year and then fell off from that. Like, yeah. But you know what? Someone like a Belichick, sorry, I'm not a huge fan. He needs to be knocked down a notch or two. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like it's just times where you're like, okay, your heyday's over. Like give someone else a spotlight. Yeah. <laughs> I feel like his time is is up right now. I yeah. don't know. I just once again, it's like the underdog, and when the team just keeps winning and winning and winning, you're like, all right, like this is getting yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, now speaking of Chick Fil A and brand, yes. Um, you're in personal branding. You're in that space. Yeah. Um, how did you get into personal branding? Like what's your total fluke? Um, I was just naturally on LinkedIn, like out on social media, doing LinkedIn. I love taking pictures with people. I love promoting other people. So I was just kind of like that person. And then it's funny how, when people see that you're willing to help other people in the spotlight or give them kind of a visibility, then, then more people invite you to stuff. So everyone, it's almost like those socialites, right? My ex-husband used to make fun of all the time. He's like, you're like that. The, nobody knows what you do. You're just everywhere. <laughs> everyone invites you because everyone's like, what exactly do you do? We just see you everywhere and at every event and like big <laughs> events, like with people, with the governor, with, you know, like, shoot, I was in an event where Trump was like the keynote speaker, like he had just been elected, like all everyone's like, how the hell do you end up at all these places? Like, because they know I'm going to take pictures. They know I'm going to give them shout outs. They know I have a LinkedIn following. And so that part of it was just very natural. And then I was in the mortgage industry. I was in the mortgage um, business and I ended up moving to a different company with my bosses. And this is when, this is smart management, management or when people can see your strengths and play on them. So my bosses were like, hey, we want you to come with us over to this company, but we're going to be a brand new division. Nobody like brand new logo, everything like we're own our own little company. We want you to be our brand manager. And I was like, what does that mean? They're like, we want you to manage our social media. We want you to have like a we want you to get a Facebook for us, Instagram, LinkedIn, you manage Sweet. it all. And we want you to be the face of our company, essentially, like because you already know what you're doing, like now do it for us. So right. then I'm getting paid to be on social media. So obviously now I have like even more of a reason to be. Incentive, yeah. And my yeah. boss, who was the president of the, the company, we used to joke around all the time because he hates social media. And he's like, every time I freaking pop up Facebook, LinkedIn, in freaking Instagram, he goes, there's your freaking face. And I go, well, that's what you pay me to do. Like, remember, <laughs> remember that's like, I don't want to fire. And he's like, oh yeah, that's right. Um, but I just did a really good job of it too, because I was thinking outside the box. Remember I'm in the mortgage industry. First of all, I'm a female Latina. Like I don't fit the mold of what the more, you know, it's usually white middle-aged men. Now it's changing. And I think I, I feel like I've, I have, I've been a part of that too. Um, and so I was putting myself out there in a way where I was doing like behind the scenes with our, my coworkers. I was doing fun interviews. Like I, they, I'm so grateful for them in the sense that they gave me free reign. Like they gave me the position mm. and they're like, unless you run with it, you keep yeah, doing awesome. whatever you're doing is obviously working. So right. I, I didn't really have a boss. Like I was doing my own thing and I was just doing what felt right. And that's why everyone was like, they could not, not pay attention to what I was doing. Cause I was doing something completely different. 
And then mortgage companies and other people were like, we need someone like her. And then they started realizing the value of having a person out there, like a Steve Jobs, like a, you know, like people didn't under, pe businesses wanted to brand themselves in a way where it was very businessy and then putting a person in front of your brand, then that's where the people are connecting emotionally. And I think now that's what people now realize how important the emotional connection is where before that it was completely different and that it's taken a marketing and all of that has taken a shift where now you have yeah. brand ambassadors, these influence, influencers talking about the, the brand as opposed to the brand talking about the brand, if that makes sense. I don't yeah. know. But you know what I mean? Like, so that's, that's how it happened. And I had enough people reaching out to me like, Hey, can you consult or Hey, can you do this for me? And I thought, well, if I start my own business, then I can talk to anybody. I don't have to worry about that. I have an employer. I can work with anybody in any industry in any part of the world, really. Um, and so, yeah, that's how I ended up in it. That's awesome. Super that's cool. awesome. How you, that's awesome. How it just, it just happened you know yeah. like for me that's how podcasting happened it wasn't like it just fell into my lap it wasn't something that like oh one day i want to start my own podcast yeah you know it just it just fell into my lap um as far as branding i think of like um personal branding i think of like uh you know quentin alums Q, just Q. He's got the hashtag just Q. Yes, I do. Yeah. One of the first people I started kind of like following as an influencer on LinkedIn of like, who's this dude? What is he doing? Yeah, and he will always have the hat on. Yeah. He will always wear his you know hat. And then um you probably heard of uh James Buckley. He I think said, I James have. say what sells Buckley. He always says, uh, if you're a salesperson, we're the same person. That's his slogan. Oh wow. So <clears throat> What I like about James is like casual, like he's usually in a t-shirt, yeah. you know, uh, sometimes he has shades or not, and he's just shooting straight, right? Uh, with Q, you know, he got the hat, he got the swag, and he, you know, articulate himself, articulate himself very well. Too. Yeah, he wears glasses too. Yeah. And it's like, um, what I like about him is like, he's open about his struggles and what he goes through yeah, and, you know things of that nature about like even recently he shared about how even during COVID he had a like he's totally starting up a new business because that one failed and I don't yeah. want to fail because that's kind of harsh because I don't think like I think failure just has a negative connotation and you learn so much when when you know things don't work out you're the way that you want them um and it just didn't work out the way he obviously wanted it like for me it's not working out the way that i envisioned and that's why i'm taking a, a transition too so i love that yeah talking about it <clears throat> yeah my friend jair he always says to me it's not a loss it's a lesson yes and that's that's why i see everything as a lesson so when you say failure it's like it's no you were meant to go through that because it's teaching you something yeah so q is the reason why i wear this hat like Oh, really? I'm like, yeah, because I used to, so like my LinkedIn profile used to be more professional, you know, I was in a suit, you know, suit and tie and, you know, perfect headshot and it's all edited. I'm like, I want to be authentically me. Now I do like, wearing, I like dressing up. I'll wear a suit. Oh, yeah. I have, believe me, I, I know, have plenty of suits too, but I'm in but my like, right now. <laughs> but I love wearing hats. Like hats is like. If you see me in public, I probably have some type of hat on. Yeah. 
you know, uh, whether it's like a golf type of hat or this type of hat or whatever type of hat it is. I'm, I'm very into sports, as you can tell. Yeah. Um, and I just wanted to carry that into my, into my LinkedIn, into my post um, and things of that nature. And um, for me, I, in the beginning, like when I was 20, I started in sales. I started in life insurance. And in the, I don't know much about the mortgage industry, but as a, in life insurance, I had no freedom with marketing. I had ideas of what they, I wanted to post. don't have any freedom in financial and services. And it, and it was like so much compliance. I'm like, come on, I think if you guys just let me do this, you know what I mean? I had so many ideas. So eventually, um, when me and my ex-wife were together, um, you know, she had her, she was just self-employed. So then like, I helped her with the Instagram and the marketing and the, you know, customer satisfaction, operation, sales. And um, I had a lot of fun with that, yeah. you know? Um, and even though I was still in sales, eventually, like lately, I've been more pivoting toward the brand and marketing side because that's where my heart is. Mm -hmm. That's where my true passion is. Like, yeah, I'm good at sales, but it's like, I love marketing. I love figuring things out, the human behavior. Why do people like what they like? Yeah, human behavior is a I don't think you know? people realize how important the human behavior and psychology behind it, all of it is. And I love all of that too, because yeah, you do have to understand it. Like, it's just, that's why I think a lot of us that are empaths and creatives and everything, like we do so well and, and with the branding marketing space, because you have to have an element of emotional sense, right? <laughs> like, yeah, it's not analytical and numbers. I mean, it's, it's human emotion. Yeah, it's not for sure. It looks pretty or it's like, there's, there's psychology behind colors. Why do you think fast food restaurants all have red and yellow? in it because of what those colors invoke in someone. Like, I think red makes you like you want to eat with red, or yellow or something, but there's- Yeah, yellow and red. Yellow and red, that's what yeah. McDonald's, Burger King, Jack in the Box, Chick-fil-A, they all have at least a, a red or yellow in their brand, in their colors. Um, because of that, like there's so much that goes behind the scenes. Yeah, I totally agree. Cause it's like, you know, uh, I'm part of the Lunch Break Media Group and then um, the Lunch Break Podcast is the name of our podcast. And so our logo is a piece of bread. <laughs> and uh, yo, I saw this, um, I forgot the name of the company, but they got a mascot and um, it's like this lion. So I was like, yo, we should have a company mascot. And we were trying to figure out what we would do. And I was like, we should do a bird. A birds eat bread. You know, I know. I don't know if you ever did that. Like, you know, you're near the water or something. You yeah. Throw some bread out. They devour. I still do it. Like, you know, when I'm out eating and yeah. there's a bird, you take off a piece of your sandwich and you feed it to the birds. Yeah. So we're trying to figure out how to use that. But I could talk to you forever. Um, I know I could talk to you forever too. I told you, just everyone who's listening, he was worried that maybe it was going to be a little bit, you know, interviewish. I was like, don't worry, it'll be very conversational. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um. So. Um, if people wanted to um, get in touch with you, how would they get in touch with you? Well, I'm on Facebook, Instagram, LinkedIn, all under my name, Raquel Boris. And I just started using the hashtag rock the boat, R-A-Q, 
the boat because I'm going to start a channel called rock the boat where I'm going to be having conversations with children or youth because that's kind of along the lines with mental health and just making you know having kids feel empowered and worth and that like they're worth it and all those things so yeah and that's kind of like the the direction I'm going so I'll I'm on YouTube too then yeah I do have an actual Raquel Boris YouTube channel I forget about it I'm really bad about like yeah (laughs) (laughs) now is there is there uh you know LinkedIn company page you want people to follow you mentioned YouTube so they can subscribe to your YouTube you're starting a podcast yeah I mean I have technically my well it's not gonna be a podcast there's just me conversations because i want kids i want kids to follow what i'm doing and kids don't podcasts aren't really like cool for the youth right now okay youtube channel got you sorry the youtube channel i I stand corrected i stand corrected (laughs) (laughs) yeah like if you ask my 19 and 16 year like hey you listen to any podcasts they'd be like what But did you like what YouTube channel you follow? You're like, oh, I follow this one. Yeah, they but they pl- probably follow plenty of they. Well, they know all the YouTubers, right? The famous YouTubers and stuff like that, or the TikTokers. Yeah, I'm gonna have to. I'm gonna have to jump on the TikTok bandwagon because I think I'm gonna have to like repurpose. Yeah. I'm gonna have to repurpose my YouTube videos onto TikTok to drive traffic over to my YouTube channel. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, I recently got on TikTok and I'm trying to figure it out. I definitely recommend it just for the experience. And it's like, if you're going to be on YouTube, you might as well be on TikTok because yeah. TikTok is kind of like the new YouTube-ish. Yeah. And honestly, like someone like me, it's funny how everybody's like, why aren't you utilizing TikTok? I have an account, but I don't do anything because I'm a goofball. Like I dance, I do dance videos all the time of me being just super silly. And I'm just like, so people don't understand why I'm not util- utilizing it, but it's not, it's, it's a kind of difficult because there is so much that goes into it. Mm-hmm. Um, and just because we're in the personal branding, social media space, like you said, you're not on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter. Like People assume that you're on every platform or you're platform savvy. Like, no, exactly. I'm good on LinkedIn, but I suck on Instagram. There's people that are really good on Instagram and then they go over to LinkedIn and they freak out because they're like, I don't know what to do here. So that's something that people need to understand. It's not yep. all the same. Yeah. I say I was on a, um, it's not a podcast. <laughs> it's, a, it's like, a, it was, it's a Roku TV show. It's okay. called Get Your Brand On. It hasn't streamed yet. It is streamed oh, uh, December 2nd. Um, but the advice I gave was choose one or two things and dominate at it. Yeah. I said too many people try to be good at everything. Yeah. But choose two things and dominate. Like when it comes to social media, whatever that is, choose to dominate. It's not that you wouldn't venture, but like what is going to be, what you're going to be a master at. Yeah, and you then know. once you dominate it, you can, like, for instance, I feel like I've dominated LinkedIn and I need a challenge. Oh, you have. Oh, you have. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, and I've also been on there for seven years. Like, people tend to forget that it is a process and I've been on there long enough to be kind of like, hey, I deserve to kind of have that following and that presence because I've worked really hard on it and been very consistent. But now I'm kind of like, all right, I've dominated LinkedIn. Now let me go ahead and challenge myself on a platform that I have no clue about, which is YouTube. Um, so that's kind of what I'm doing. And um, yeah, you got to keep challenging yourself because with social media, things are constantly changing. Algorithms, we all see LinkedIn algorithms like out of whack. Yep. Um, yep. So yeah, like as soon as you think you have something, you know, like figured out, figured out, then they change. change it on you. And you're like, 
Damn it. <laughs> yeah, because I the last thing I was the last thing I say is I I had a LinkedIn account. I had like fifteen thousand followers, but then I like I just became more in touch with my values, and I'm like I got these fifteen thousand people. A lot of them I don't even remember why we connected, yeah. and I was like. I'm starting from scratch. So I deleted my account. I started from scratch. Uh, what was it about uh, like nine months ago, 10 okay. months ago. Oh, wow. And for me, it's like, I want to be more in touch with each connection. Like mm -hmm. I want each connection to be meaningful um, versus like, you know, a lot of people and I'm like, why is this person connecting with me, et cetera. So it's like, I'm trying to just get more well, it's quality over quantity, like, you know, exactly. That's what I tell exactly. people all the time, like, because I even have 20,000 followers and I probably could have already had double, but I don't accept every connection request. Believe exactly. me, I, I had a connection request the other day from Laura, from Laura Croft, the Tomb Raider, and it was Angelina Jolie's picture on it. And I can't tell you how many connections, mutual connections I had. So it just goes to show you that people are blindly just accepting connections. When exactly. I'm like, come on, this is Laura Croft, Angelina Jolie. Uh, right, you know, exactly. Like, exactly. Yeah, exactly. and so I, I'm definitely all about that. And I, I can't tell you how many meaningful connections and friendships I've made on LinkedIn. Like, where it's like family. Like, I'm not joking. Like, I have a couple guys on there that I met that I, they're like brothers to me. And we FaceTime every day. And yeah. that to me is like the best thing I've ever. It's your boy, Mason. Thank you for tuning in. If this episode made you think of someone, reach out to them and share this episode with them. And do me a favor, subscribe to the Lunch Break Media Group on Anchor, Spotify, and Apple Podcasts. And connect with me. Connect with me on Clubhouse and Instagram. You can find me by typing in Mason underscore the lunch. And if you on LinkedIn, look up Mason Ashad. DM me. Feel free to DM me uh, podcast ideas. If you'd like to be the guest on the podcast, DM me on Instagram, DM me, DM me on LinkedIn, or if we're in the same clubhouse room, just shout it out to me if we're on the same stage. All right? Can't wait to hear from you. Or you can text the phone number 585-502-8894.